Welcome. You're listening to RUF at the University of Oklahoma. Going through the stories Jesus told because he loves us, he's kind to us, he wants to communicate clearly, so he wants to speak to us in ways we can understand and grapple with huge issues about who we are, what's our purpose, who is God. And so tonight we're looking at well, what is it we do uh, with, with you know, life in, in the presence of God? How do we live? And so this lawyer, an expert in the law, approaches Jesus and asks a few questions, and Jesus responds. They have a dialogue, and then that's the context for the story. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the parable, or the whole text, which includes the prologue there to it and the story, and I'm going to make some brief comments as we go through it. And then I'll you know, have some extended comments on it for about 25 minutes. And then we'll take questions. And we'd love to have questions. If you don't want to raise your hand and ask the question, um, you're welcome to just text it. And so the number to do that is right there on the sheet. I think there will be some good questions tonight, I'm hoping. It's a very provocative story. So let's, uh, I may have oversold it. Um, it's nothing like what you're thinking. But provocative, very provocative. Okay, so here are these words from... The very written word of God. Now this is, um, give ear to this. Actually, let's stand up for this. Let's stand up for it. Reading God's word. I know it looks like words on the page, but it's God's word breathed out to us. Hear the word. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Great question, isn't it? Um, What should I do to participate in this resurrection life that's coming? He said to him, Jesus said, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, and he gave a great summary. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But the lawyer, he desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So he's trying to Get some clarity on that. Maybe um, figure out what the limits are on this command to love. And then verse 30, Jesus replied. And that's where he starts the story. So a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers. Just for, for um, information, that path from Jerusalem to Jericho was called the, the Pass of Blood. Okay, it's a notoriously dangerous place. So, so in your mind, if you're, if, if you're hearing this for the first time, you know, danger, danger, okay. Okay, so Jerusalem to Jericho Road. And the man fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road. See, that's like the best person that could possibly be there, right? A priest. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Didn't help. Verse 32, so likewise a Levite, which is probably the second best person, another religious authority, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side as well. And you're like, well, probably what's going to happen next is maybe a Jewish religious layman, you know, like a, not an official, but a regular guy. Nope, a Samaritan, a hated enemy of Israelites. A Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, which would actually probably 
cover three weeks in an inn and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Jesus finishes the story and looks at the lawyer and says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. This ends the reading of God's word. Y'all can be seated. So, question. What makes you uncomfortable besides RUF Bible study? Um, what makes you maybe a little more uncomfortable in a scary way? I mean, Halloween's coming up. Think about it. I saw a very disturbing sight of the day as I'm driving home down Lindsay. I uh, passed 24th, and I live just down off of 36th on the east side. I saw a huge snake in the road. I mean, talking massive. And so I drove by it, and then I stopped, turned around, drove back. And I was actually going to go out, get out and look at it, but there was a motorcycle behind me. And so I, kept, I just drove around the snake and went home. I did get a picture of it, which I can show you later. It's big, and it, was, it, was, it looked agitated, and it, it, was, it's, you know, it had its head up in the air and slithering across the road. It was pretty scary. Um, it makes me nervous. Sure, it makes many of you nervous to think about snakes. Um, Well, what made this lawyer nervous was that God might be requiring too much of him. Okay, what is the requirements? I mean, wouldn't it be terrible if you got your syllabus at the very beginning of the semester, some of you are freshmen, this would be extra terrible, but having no expectations, and and you would get no requirements. Like, you'd have no idea what was expected of you. Like, what what are we going to be graded on? And so this, this lawyer wants to be very precise on what are we going to be graded on for inheriting eternal life. Okay, so this resurrection life. He wants to know in the future, this thing, what is it going to take for me to inherit or be a part of that? And so uh, I think that's a good question. And so Jesus says, well, that's a great question. And he says, well, what do you, what's the law say? And this man gives a great answer. He, he quotes uh, Old Testament summary of the law and a, and a summary that is repeated by Jesus in two different other places in the Gospels, uh, Matthew 22 being one of those. But love the Lord your God, all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, strength, and all of your being, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And so God is clearly defined there, but then he wants to know who is your neighbor. Now, Jewish people kind of thought neighbor would be someone in my own ethnicity. Okay, someone even in the covenant, someone in the church community or in the Israel community. So, so, so there's some questions to who is that? So he's trying to, to get, a, get clarity on that and uh, probably, hopefully, um, make it where he could justify himself. Now, if you look at verse 29... Uh, Jesus interprets, that's the reason he's asking the question. So you kind of think, well, maybe he's trying to test Jesus, maybe he's trying to trick him, uh, but he's actually trying, it says, it gives the rationale in verse 29, he's desiring to justify himself. Okay? Who is my neighbor then? And I would say, justification or justifying ourselves is all of our, our own greatest needs. Okay? We want to feel harmonious, we want to feel right with God, like we, like you and God are okay, 
We need that. We need to feel that. We long for justification with other people. I mean, so when he's saying to justify himself, he's looking for an unsullied relationship with God. And I say we're always saying that. Even if we're not really saying that, we're always saying, am I okay? Okay, or I am okay. Look at me. Um, for instance, uh, when we have discussions sometimes, when I'm actually talking to you, um, I'm actually not listening to you. Uh, when you're telling me a story, I'm actually thinking about a story that's better than your story. Okay? <laughs> like, I want to top you. And I know you do this to me, too. I mean, we all do this. This is how we relate to one another. We, no? Some of you are confused. I'm really confused. No, yeah, okay. Some of you are more holy than I am. It's a male thing. Okay, okay. We always want to top each other, okay? Um, we're, we're all, as, as Brian Regan would say, we're me monsters. Look at me. If you've seen that stand-up, if you haven't, go watch it on Netflix. Um, it's worth your time. We're all sort of screaming, we are better, and we will top you uh, with our stories. You've got to believe me. I'm okay. Um, I would say 99% of our social media posts are saying that. I'm okay. Look at me. I'm justified. The other 1% are probably game requests. I don't know if there's some of that. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, well, actually, that's probably higher. Um, I actually, all, stati- all statistics are made up on the spot anyway, so um, I'm doing that as well. Um, all of your relationships uh, with people, 100% of those are self-justification. We all want to be okay. We want someone to tell us we're okay. We're all selfish in that. All of your academic pursuits, again, are self-justification. Am I okay? I'm desiring to justify myself. All of your extracurriculars are self-justification. They're all self-justification. I'm okay. Look at me. I'm okay. Um, all of the Adderall that you take, some of you, all of you, you're trying to do it all. You're trying to do it all. And, and you're saying, I'm okay. Look at me. I'm okay. I'm doing this. Okay? I'm, I'm proving myself. We have this, this desire to prove ourselves. Who is my neighbor then? What do I do? I need to make this achievable, def- definitive, so I can feel justified. And so Jesus doesn't make it easy. He's very provocative. Jesus is not the guy you want to talk to. He's not just going to be nice to you and pat you on the head and say you're doing a great job. He's going to challenge you, and he does. He gives us this amazing story that really does set a very high bar. So he's pulling the rug out from him here. He's saying, like, look, he starts talking about you know, these two guys in his own religion uh, who are going to pass by this beat-up, uh, messed-up guy on the road uh, on the most dangerous place, and they would respond in a lot of ways like we would probably respond, like we don't want to get involved, okay? Uh, because if we do get involved, we're probably going to get beat up too because there, there's a lot of, I mean, this is, Jerusalem to Jericho is a 4,000-foot drop, and so you're going through mountainous areas you're going, there's, it's rocky and it's winding. It's like, it's like, like walking, it's a very short, it's 17 miles, but you're, like, you're going down steep. It's like you know, Winter Park, for instance, which we all should be going to January 4th or 8th. Yeah, right. It's that, almost that tall. So Jerusalem. Um, you know, it's, it's, we are on this road and we see this happening. You put yourself in that story. And you're thinking, well, I probably wouldn't do that. I probably wouldn't help him either. You know, it'd just be easier. 
I've got a family to think about. I mean, what if I get jumped to and, and robbed? Uh, and so that's very uh, much, a, I think, a realistic story. And then what we see is this Samaritan comes up, this enemy, and he is the one who saves the day. And so he, Jesus provocatively brings this man's enemy as the hero, okay? The enemy. And so um, I'll ask you, who is your enemy? Do you have an enemy in your mind? When I say who is your enemy, do you have a face that comes to mind? Um, maybe, maybe a person. Um, maybe, uh, I mean, uh, Al-Qaeda, okay? I mean, maybe Al-Qaeda for us. Um, I, I don't know who your enemy is, uh, but we kind of all have an idea of that. Um, and, but I think if we, if we have an, a wrong idea of the enemy, we're going to be fighting the wrong battles. And I want to I sort of turn on you and say today that your enemy and my enemy is actually poor people, needy people. Poor people, needy people. That is our enemy, right? Um, we have what we like to think of as first world problems. You know what I'm talking about, y'all. Okay, oh, my iPhone's slow. Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't get all my classes. Um, you know, people are like starving. People are dying. Um, there's a, a poor people out there. The existence of poor people messes up my life. Okay, the existence of intolerable cruelty and, and oppression messes up my life. Because why? We are rich, humanistic, highly educated, privileged people. Okay, we are in the top 99% of wealth in the world, regular middle class people in our country. And we want to keep it that way. And we want to move to schools, neighborhoods, and places where, that, where we are safe. Um, and that's, that's it. Uh, we're all idealistic. We all think we can solve our own problems. And so if, they exist, if these problems that we can't solve are out there, it drives us crazy. And so it's easier to just wall ourselves in and not look at the poor or the needy. We don't want to see that. We want to keep our problems manageable. Uh, if y'all saw Walking Dead last night, uh, you know, uh, some of you do watch that show, I know, and I'm not spoiling anything, but there's, uh, there's an existence of a community that is walled in, and Rick Grimes and his band of survivors through the zombie apocalypse uh, encounter these people. And this people, these people have been walled into a subdivision outside of Washington, D.C. throughout the whole thing. And they never have to to kill zombies. They never have to watch out for bad people who are trying to hurt them. And so Rick Grimes is bound and determined to tell them, look, there's real problems outside your walls and they're coming for you. And, and, and we need to know that there are really bad things going on out there that we are accountable to turn to be, to make them right, to help, to show mercy to. And so he's saying, who is your neighbor? Or who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Uh, and so Jesus points out a Samaritan who actually performs as a neighbor. Now that is absolutely provocative to them. Uh, just a few chapters early, if you want to turn back, or actually one chapter earlier, in Luke 9, 51 through 56, some Samaritans reject Jesus and the disciples want to ask him, hey, should, should we ask fire to come down them and, just, and consume them? Like they, they're like they've got like finger on the button ready to nuke them. Okay, they they like Jewish people hated Samaritans. We can ask, we can talk more about that later. But there was a huge rivalry, 
And so here is a man picking up his enemy and serving him. And our enemy is needy people. We don't want to, we don't want to actually be bothered by that. And it feel like we have to solve these problems. Um, we want to be okay. And so look, if you look at these first two guys that come through on your sheet there, um, the man going down from Jerusalem and the priest comes there. Okay, you think if anybody ought to be able to help, it would be the priest, right? He is in the right place at the right time. It's the best guy. He's a religious professional. It's like your RUF campus minister shows up on the scene and you're hurting. You've been in a bike wreck today. And like your, like your campus minister guy shows up right on time and carries you and helps you, right? No, no, no. The campus minister acts like, oh, I've got a one-on-one I've got to get to. Oh, I'm going to, oh, see you later. So um, that's, 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 what, that's how shocking this is. I mean, like we, many of you have heard this story, but this is absolutely shocking the priest just walks on by. I mean, he's got all the training in the, in the, in the Old Testament, the scriptures, this is his own countryman who is beaten up and, and robbed and naked and left half dead on the road. It is unbelievable that he doesn't help him. And here is this secondary guy. It's like John Baber shows up. Okay, like John Baber shows up and Becca's hurt and, and he doesn't help her. It is unbelievable. And then here comes, you know, atheist guy. I mean, it's not actually atheist guy. It's, I mean, like, the Samaritans actually did worship God. They had some different theology. Okay, that's a different theology. They're worshiping. They're they're reading Moses' books. Okay, um, and here here comes the most unlucky person who they hate. Our it's John and I's rival that we just don't like, and he comes up and saves Becca, who got a wreck on her bike today. We're glad you're alive. Okay, well, what you know? Why would they just walk on by? Well, I mean, they can, they can come up with a lot of reasons. Like, well, someone else will help, or, you know, someone else will walk by. I mean, a lot, a lot of priests walk by this way. You know, I mean, like, if I'm going to help one, maybe you have to help all of them, you know. Like, I mean, like, so I've got, like, a lot of reasons you can come up with. I mean, like, you're thinking about why we don't give today. Um, there's a lot of reasons. And what, part of it's like, well, I'm saved by grace. I mean, like, okay, like, I'm okay. Um, I, somebody surely is going to take care of this. Maybe that, the government will come and do it. No, I don't need to do this. Okay, so we can come up with excuses all day long about why we wouldn't do it, but we all kind of feel good about ourselves. We do religious activities. We're here at a Bible study on Monday night. That's it. Y'all are the most impressive people for doing that. And so we are at risk of trusting in our religion and forsaking mercy. Um, Hosea 6 6, which is quoted two times in the Gospels by, by, in Matthew. Jesus, it says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And if there's ever a story which took that principle and put it to the, uh, put it quick, you know, flesh and blood on it, it's this one. Okay, this guy was doing the wrong theology. The Samaritan was doing the wrong theology and he shows up and shows mercy. He had kind of bad theology, but he still was, was worshiping the true God on a different mountain. Okay, he was doing the, kind of the wrong thing, wrong temple, but he did know God. And he shows up. And so, if you're going to participate in eternal life, Jesus is saying, you've got to show mercy. Okay, you go and do likewise, is how he ends this. And so it's good to know that, uh, it's good for you to, to think about what grace is, what mercy is. And I want to argue that grace is not unconditional acceptance, but it is undeserved mercy. 
Okay, so Jesus doesn't say, you can be whatever you want to be, do whatever you want to do, and inherit eternal life. But he does, but grace is undeserved mercy. Okay, so let's think about that. Okay, let's think about what it is to have grace or mercy. Um, what does the Samaritan do? Well, he, he, in, he ends this man's suffering, or he helps the man who's left half for dead by picking him up, risking defilement by, you know, he didn't know if he's dead or not, he picks him up. He, he has this religious barrier uh, to this of touching a dead body. He's going to make him unclean, that's one thing, which you might not think is obvious. Um, he's going to risk getting dirty, bloody. Um, he's risking his own safety uh, by picking this guy up because there could be robbers still hiding, you know, and he's a trap. It's a trap. Watch out. He's thinking, um, and that's what he's thinking. I mean, you could be thinking that. It's be rational to think so. It's a trap. So, um, what else is he thinking there? Probably he's thinking, well, this is going to cost me a lot. Okay, to help him, um, I'm going to be inconvenienced and have to go take care of this guy and, and nurse him back to health. He runs him over to an inn, finds a place for him to stay, and he pays this great cost. He's, he says, like, he's giving him a blank check. Um, it's like, here's my credit card. I mean, just. Whatever he needs, get it to him, and I'm going to come back. If there's, if there's more money needed, I'm going to pay that too. So he's at great cost to himself, showing great mercy. Okay, Undeserved favor. This guy's just a hurt man on the road, and he picks him up and saves him, carries him back, and, save, and puts, him, puts him back to health. Okay, that's mercy. Okay, so, so Jesus um, is also someone like that. He's also somebody who shows great mercy at great cost to himself. Uh, Mark 10, 45 says that the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, it says that Christ, though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Okay, he is the one who got took on the danger, took on the dirt, took on whatever the cost, took on the cross for people who didn't deserve it, who didn't really just merit this, but he picked them up and saved them. People like us. Do you ever forget that about Jesus? If you've been around this for, for quite a while, does that, does that ring a bell to you? I mean, is that, is that is I kept thinking about, like, is that always in your mind or is that something you forget about? I think I forget about that. that I didn't deserve that. That is absolutely unnecessary for God. God didn't need me. He didn't need to help me. But there I am, broken on the road, and He picks me up. He lifts me up. And so where Christ is, there I am, by faith. Uh, so the cross, you need to know this, was not a tragedy. It was a great victory. Not a tragedy, but a great victory. It is God willingly sending His Son because He loves us. It's Christ for the joy set before Him. In Hebrews 12, too, saying he endured the cross for us. Because he, he, it's his joy to serve us in mercy. It's beautiful. It's his joy to pay the ultimate price, the wrath of God, all that our sins deserved on the cross. It's his joy. It's a great victory. And that's why we rejoice in it. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper at our churches on Sunday morning, which we should all be doing, right? Going to church on Sunday morning. It is a wonderful, joyous occasion to remember what Christ has done for us and to participate in, in that sacrament. So the question for us, 
is after the Samaritan's example and Jesus' example is not who is my neighbor, but Jesus says, who was a neighbor to the beaten up man? What was it? It was the, the guy, the lawyer, can't even bring himself to say Samaritan. He says, well, the one who showed mercy. And he says, well, you go and do likewise, right? Okay, so how would, how would I have the strength to say, I'm going to be a guy who shows mercy. I'm going to be one who does that. Well, what am I going to do? How am I going to change and, and become one of those people who, who does show mercy? Well, I've got to decide I'm going to start living by faith and not by science or own figuring things out. Like when um, Mark Watney, who is a, who's the main character in The Martian, which I saw last night, uh, excellent movie, when this man realizes he's stuck on Mars, he's like, oh, I've got to do some science. I'm going to figure this out. Okay? And, when, and he says, you know, anybody's going to space travel, you've got to, like, when you come, things are going to go haywire, and when that happens, you've got to figure it out. You're going to solve it. And that's, if we, if we live life according to our ability to solve it, we are not going to show mercy. Okay? It takes faith to show mercy. It takes faith realizing, okay, I'm going to give of my own money, and I'm going to give of my time, and I'm going to take a hit here, but realizing that God doesn't, you know, like, I don't need that. That's not mine at all. And God's going to make things right. Uh, even though it's looking like, from a, from a human perspective, me giving things away, me giving mercy to somebody that doesn't even deserve it, perhaps, um, which is the definition of mercy, it doesn't seem like it's going to solve a lot of problems. But it does. And God cares for us. Uh, there's an old verse that says, man, look, the, the man who wants to, to save his life will lose it. And the one who loses his life for my sake will gain everything. Like the poor, actually, are the ones who inherit eternal life. You look at the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus roundly says, look, you must trust me. Okay? Uh, now, he's not saying we all have to voluntarily take, a, take an oath of poverty here. Okay? He's saying, but he's saying, let mercy drive you. And so just a quick question. How much is mercy, like, how much mercy do we need to give? Okay, surely when people, you know, abuse our mercy, don't we need to cut them off? Right? Well, so the, the principle is show mercy. So let's let mercy limit mercy. Okay, so what I mean by that. So say you have you entered into this relationship with a homeless person in Norman. Not a relationship like a like Facebook official relationship, but like, a, okay, like you befriend someone, okay, and you start, uh, you know, uh, interacting with them, and they just start abusing your generosity and actually taking what you give them and, and buying heroin with it or something, okay? Like, so they, they just like t- being very irresponsible and putting themselves and others in, in jeopardy. Now, wouldn't that be an example of when you're going to be like, well, you shouldn't have done that. You should not have done that, and so I'm going to cut you off, okay? Like, yeah, that is totally irresponsible. Don't do that with my generosity. Well, that's not actually mercy limiting mercy, is it? Okay, that's judgment limiting mercy, and so what would be the better response would be to say, look, I'm going to, okay, brother, I'm going to take what I'm giving to you. I'm not going to give it to you. Because the merciful thing to do is to prevent you from harming yourself. Okay, if you're going to take away merciful giving, do it in a merciful way. And I think that the mercy actually will have a greater effect than simply being angry that they're abusing their mercy and, uh, and trying to show them, okay? 
Um, and I think that's going to turn, like if you start to behave in a way that's merciful instead of merciless, uh, you're going to start turning the world upside down. As Jesus, when we get that, that he loves us, it's his joy to serve us, it does turn our world upside down. So three application points as we close here. Um, one, mercy limits mercy. Mercy is to be unending. Go and show like uh, mercy, uh, the great cost of mercy like the Samaritan. Go do that. Uh, find a way to do that this week. Okay. Secondly, um, what's important for your calling is, you know, think about, you know, if you want to go into medicine or something like that, like, it's not like when you're looking for that job, that call, like, don't necessarily look for the coolest city. Look where you can help the most people, where you can serve the most people. Uh, so, like, how can you be useful to the kingdom of God in delivering mercy and ending oppression? Uh, think about, you know, all the problems you have that are in Norman. Uh, hunger, um, this sex trafficking, this, this massive problem of sex slavery, which is going on right up the road from us in Oklahoma City. Uh, there's a huge hub for, for sex trafficking with, with all the interstates converging there. There's a lot of, of, of ills, societal ills that we need to uh, be aware of and, and work to fight against um, actively. Um, that we can go on and on. I'd love to hear questions on some of those uh, like application points, but, but finding out how you fit in that and, and giving mercy. Uh, and then thirdly, you need to give financially. Um, Christians need to be giving. Um, and, and, and if you are a Christian, uh, even I would say non-Christians need to be uh, giving. If you're a non-Christian, we're glad you're here. But, but you need to work up to your giving to 10% of your income. Um, you need to do that. You can maybe start at 2% and work your way up. You need to be giving. Okay, You need to be giving uh, and, and living a discipline of mercy, which is taking some of, your, some of the money that you have been gifted with and giving it away. Okay, we are not owned by our money, but when we give it away, it shows that that our, it's not it doesn't own us. I, I, God's with me; He can do amazing things, even if I have less money. Okay, He doesn't need my money, neither do we. Um, so God will surprise you and care for you, like He cared for the Samaritan. Again, all like wisdom would have said. The Samaritan guy, the third guy, should have just walked on by. Okay, he could have gotten robbed. He could have, he could have, he could have gotten hurt out of this. But God protected him through his mercy. Just like he got, got, took Jesus' sacrifice and lifted him up on the third day. Um, mercy brings blessings. And we've got to stop making excuses and be like this enemy, uh, this Samaritan. We've got, we've got to show forth um, what God is like. And the way, the principal way we do that is by imaging Christ. And if there's nothing, if there's no word, no other word in the English language that, that describes Jesus rather than mercy, okay? Who, the one who would not even, uh, you know, keep his own life, but he gave it up willingly for us. That is our Jesus. So um, let's uh, pray, we'll sing, and we'll take questions.